Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my camera. And today we're going to be talking about the ninth episode of the first season of Supernatural titled Home. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so I'm going to start with the beginning with... of the episode. Let's let's just start with that straight away. We're not going to start with my dog barking in the background. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> All right, Arlo's... He's we're going to a... ignore it and then we're going to start again. Okay. Arlo's got opinions. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start at the start of the episode when the little girl's like, Mom, I'm scared. Like, there's something in the closet. Mom goes, checks the closet, nothing in there. Props the chair under the door handles to keep the door shut. Not that it would do a lot. It's so, not really braced against anything. Not that, not that she actually props it. She just, like, slides it underneath. Like, you could just open that door and it would literally just push the chair along the floor. Like, it, she's done nothing, essentially. No. Yeah. <laughs> the shot where the chair is just moving slowly out from under the handles. Yeah. Hilarious. I love that shot so much. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I found it so funny. I'm glad you found it funny. I'm sure that's exactly the the vibe they were going for when they when they plotted that scene and they shot that scene. I'm sure funny was exactly the intended outcome. Just the way the chair moves and the way they shot it. And I was just like... I will say, if a child or an animal does not like any location, a house, a, a general building, a car, or they don't like a person, like if you trust the animal or the child and they don't like something like really really don't like it to the point where they're uncomfortable or scared you should get the fuck out or get the fuck away immediately like do not waste time do not hang around to find out just go kids and animals they just they know shit better than adults do well when it comes to like vengeful spirits and shit i'm not saying get a five-year-old to do your taxes i'm just saying like (laughs) if a kid is like this house makes me feel scared i would take that into consideration and I would not buy that house. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You're more of a skeptic than I am. <laughs> I'm a skeptic. Let's talk about skepticism in this episode, okay? okay? So Dean has been dealing with supernatural shit for his entire Forever. life. Forever, yeah. His entire life, right? And he completely dismisses the possibility that Sam could be any sort of psychic. It's like, you literally have dealt with Bloody Mary, ghosts, spirits, Okay, I'm not saying that all psychics would be real in the supernatural universe. Yeah, they even make fun of the name of a couple in this episode. Yeah, I know. I think it's more of a case of like, it's not that he doesn't think it's a possibility. It's that he doesn't want to accept that it's a possibility. Because if Sam is a psychic, then that like opens up like a whole wave of hoo-ha that he doesn't really want to deal with. I'm so glad we're finally up to this like psychic Sam. I love psychic Sam. I think it's such a fun like introduction like for his character I think it's really cool and like obviously they'll flesh it out more as we go but like I'm really excited for you to see where they go with it because I think you're gonna like it it's it's really fun I really love it and I obviously it's very traumatic for Sam so (laughs) I don't know what that says about me as a person but I think it's a really fun like plot line I just think it's so funny that literally like not even a month ago they were fighting a Wendigo yeah he's like nah psychics aren't real I (laughs) again like it's not him saying like they're not real like I think it's just a matter of, like, he doesn't want Sam to be one. Because that's just, like, something else to deal with. It's, like, a lot of information for a Dean to take in all at once. Like, it's like, oh, I'm a psychic. I saw Jess's death for days before she died. Now I'm dreaming about our old childhood home. Also, there's a woman in there screaming. I think we have to go save them. And Dean's like, just, like, hold on a fucking second, you know? Like, the poor man's been hit with, like, 12 different bits of life-shattering information. 
in like the space of about five seconds. You know, he needs a second to like collect himself. It's all very emotional for him. Not only is it like Sam's having psychic visions, but Sam's having psychic visions about the house that his mother died in. Like that's the place where Dean literally lost everything. Like he lost his family. He lost his normal life. Cause like Sam, you know, dreams of the normal life and stuff. And they talk about that a lot in this first season, especially. But also, Dean had a normal life, you know, and he lost it. It wasn't like he has never had one, so he idolizes the idea of it. It's like he had one, and he remembers it, and it got taken away from him. Let's talk about the psychic in this episode, though. Not Sam, the other side. Missouri. Missouri. I love her so much. I fucking love her so much. Mm Mm-hmm. I please tell me she becomes a recurring character. I desperately wanted to put her in my list that I asked you of, like, fan favorites, because she is. She is one of the best characters on the show. She's incredible. The only reason I didn't is because she's in so few episodes. I know. I love her so much. She is such a good character. She's literally incredible. I love everything about her. And she's just she's just not in very many episodes. That makes me sadder than you can possibly imagine. Watching this episode back, it makes me so sad knowing that this is one of the few interactions we get with her because I, it's such a wasted opportunity. She's such a good character and the actress who plays her. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Yeah. Her performance in this episode. She's just, you cannot fault it. You cannot fault it. It is so good and holy God, like, yeah, just her as a character, like, this is a show where I haven't really been able to, you know, properly connect with any of the characters, really, so far. Yeah. To finally have a character where it's like, I was like, yes, I like this character. This is the sort of yeah. character that speaks to me. Yeah. Like, she's, you know, she's no nonsense, but she's also smarter than everybody else in the room without being, like... But she's also, like, she cares so much mm. and, like, she's got, in just, like, maybe the 10 or 15 minutes of screen time she gets, if that... She has such a, like, she makes such a lasting impact. And she steals every single scene she's in. Yeah, yeah. And she has such great chemistry with these other characters. Like, she's just, she's so good. And it's really a waste that they didn't have her come back more often. Especially considering at the end of the episode, they make a point of her being like, don't be strangers. Yeah. And, like, I really wish that she had become more of a... Recurring character. Recurring character. Especially considering some characters that they have as really common recurring characters later on that I'm kind of like, man, we could have fucking done without that. You know? <laughs> give me Missouri or Missouri, give me Missouri, honestly, top tier character. And I love, I love when Sam and Dean first meet her and they go in like, she's like, let the, the guy that she was doing the reading for out and she's like blatantly lied to him and then she turns to them and is like, yeah, you know, like they come here to hear what they want to hear. I'm not going to tell them the truth. Am I crazy? Then she's like, you know, Sam Dean, like come on through and they're kind of like, oh, she knows our names. And then she like touches Sam's hand and she does this, there's this beautiful moment where she's like, I'm so sorry for your loss and like, um, so sorry to hear your girlfriend died, I think. Yeah, like I'm lines. sorry about your girlfriend and she's like, oh, and your dad, he's missing. Like, and it's this genuine moment. And then Sam is like, how did you know all that? And I'm like, guys, she's literally a psychic. Like, you knew that. You, <laughs> you went and saw her because she was a psychic. That's why your dad went to see her. Like, she's literally in the phone book as a psychic. And you're like, how did she know? But can we talk about how she straight up lied to their faces in that bit? Because <gasps> mm. she goes, your dad's missing. And let's go right to the end. Let's talk about John. Oh, yeah. So he's that not motherfucker. missing. He's hiding. <laughs> yeah. So I actually wasn't too far off with my insane, like, he's on a fucking four-day... He's on a bender? Yeah. That's bender what I said. It's, on, it's in character. That's why I said to you, like, you... 
honestly. Like, nothing bad's happened to him. It's very clear that he's absolutely fine. Yeah, like, he's not in mortal peril right now. I love that at the end of the episode, like, she walks in and she's like, why don't you just talk to your children? And he's like, I want to. And it's like, well, then answer the damn phone, you twit. Like, just let them know you're alive. Again, this is like a 50 to 60 year old man. Yeah. It's like, bro, grow the fuck up. And also, oh God, it broke my heart. This part in the episode where Dean, like Sam and Dean are like talking at the Impala when they've stopped for petrol. Dean, like basically to get out of the conversation, is just like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And he kind of like makes his excuse and he exits. And then he goes and calls John. And he is just so lost and so vulnerable and scared and he doesn't know what to do and he just wants his dad's support like he just wants to have him be there to be like what do I do like this is too much for me and he can't break down like that in front of Sam because he has to be in his mind he has to be strong for Sam you know like he can't let Sam see that he is not coping because he is Sam's like parent essentially and so like he needs to save face And so he makes this incredibly vulnerable call and John doesn't even bother. Not only does he not pick up the phone, but he's clearly receiving voice messages because we now know he's not dead, which means not only did he get that message, but he chose to ignore it. And you knew you were in the same town as then because you literally spoke to Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, which means he definitely got the fucking voicemail because why else would he have gone back there? Yeah, so that was just like, for me, that was like, oh, so like it's definitely not like he might be in danger, but it's not like pressing danger. Like, if he's in danger, it's danger of a different sort, and probably danger of his own... Mm, It's like, oh, I stuck my neck out too far this time kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, and also at the very start of the episode, she she finds the box of their stuff in the basement, and, like, right on top is the, like, card that just says Dad on it. So it's, like, like a Father's Day card or something, and you just know that, like, Dean must have made that as, like, a three- or four-year-old. And he straight up left it behind in the old house. Well... (laughs) You know, and it like it just got left there, and it's like all their family photos. Or although I did realize that the photo that Sam has that he recognizes the tree from, and the photo that she finds in the box is literally the exact same photo. Like props did not make two copies of that photo. It's the same one with the same creases. Like it's been folded in the same places. It is an identical prop. And I'm like, you couldn't spring for two photos. <laughs> like really, <laughs> we've established this, Bethany. If they can't broke. spend more than $2 on the lighting, how are they going to spend more than $2 on the prop? <laughs> They've got to save $10,000 for bees. And the fire suit. And the fire suit. Fire suit, big cost. Bringing it back a little bit, how do you feel about Sam and the idea of him being psychic? Like, what are your thoughts? I don't know enough about sort of the psychic parameters of Sam. Like, yeah, I definitely like it or I definitely don't. I think it's a really interesting concept for them to be introducing, but also, like, I don't know what they're going to do with it yet. So it's sort of like, until I can work out how they're actually going to utilise Sam being psychic. Because I know that I've watched other shows where it's like, these characters are meant to be, like, psychic or whatever, or they're meant to have a skill. And you're thinking, oh, wow, like, then they're going to utilise this skill. And then it's like, you know, six episodes down the track, it's like they've completely forgotten they've established this character as psychic. And it's like, they're just doing things the way they always used to. And like, I understand that, but also like, they are psychic now. You need to actually be able to deal with the implications of them now being psychic. I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you this, but I think that the way they introduce the concept of Sam having psychic abilities is drawn out. It is definitely an ongoing thing because this is new for him. It's an experience that he is learning about 
himself as the audience learns about it as well. And then it's interesting as well because Dean doesn't always have all the information because he doesn't necessarily see Sam all the time the way the audience does. So there's some interesting layers there as to how much Sam chooses to share as well. Do you remember a couple of episodes ago I was saying that there was foreshadowing that I was really excited about. I think it was in Dead in the Water and they were talking about the kid having the psychic connection and Sam straight up says in the car, he's like, oh, well, sometimes a traumatic event can like induce like a a psychic links and stuff. And he's talking about how like traumatic events can awaken like psychic abilities and things in people. And I was like, oh my God, Jess burning on the ceiling. (laughs) I was like, for me, I was like, that was the traumatic event because he doesn't like, that is the first, like he kind of dreams of her dying before that. But like after that, it becomes, he starts dreaming about random people. Like he's having like this particular like psychic event. It's almost like watching his mother burn to death on the ceiling. Yeah. Established the link and then Jess burning alive activated it. Yeah. So only like little bits and pieces were coming through before then. And there's more to it than that that I won't go into, but like that's why I was excited in that episode. I was like, yes, oh my God, like the trauma of it happening again, that's what like reopened the wound, I guess. And so I thought that was really cool and really interesting. Um, I didn't know if they did it on purpose, but I thought... If it's good and supernatural, you can assume it wasn't Accidental, yeah. Although I did want to know, when he has the dream, the dream really focuses on the screaming woman hitting the glass, but then he draws the tree. And I was like, what was the focus of your dream, Sam? Was it the the stationary tree or was it the woman screaming and banging on a window? Like, I would get it if they, like, showed us, like, snapshots and they were like, here is a window, here is a tree, here is a woman, here is the front door whatever like but it like straight up just like zoomed on the window and i was like weird choice but okay let's talk about the sound effects in this episode okay because there is one situation in which i was really just baffled dean is running right yeah he's walking around he's running i think he's sort of like power walking right when when is this they're outside just before they meet up with the psychic okay they're walking around and dean's walking and there's footsteps sound effects that do not match up with his actual footsteps Oh, no. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. It drives me insane. Rewatch the episode, right? Okay. It's in the first episode. You won't have to watch it all. Don't worry. Yeah. I know you hate to watch Supernatural. Oh, uh, look, Jamie. <laughs> I've spent... I don't even want to know how many hours of my life I have devoted to this show. Like, I genuinely... I think I would be horrified. Like, especially if you can count not only watching the show, but talking about the show, reading about the show, being on Tumblr about the show, and also reading fanfic and writing fanfic on the show. Recording a podcast. Recording a podcast, podcast. editing a podcast. I Posting about the podcast. I would, genuinely, 50% of my life has probably been spent somehow involving Supernatural as a concept. But no, the footsteps do not match up. And I was watching this scene like, it's bad sound design. (laughs) Usually I don't pick up on anything to do with the sounds except for like there's a couple of key pieces of music that they use for certain characters and and things that I know from watching the show a million times over. But the one thing I did notice is right at the end of this episode, like right at the end, they're having quite a like nice moment at the car and then like they're like, okay, time to go. And the music just immediately changes. Like it just goes from like nice and chill and like kind of slow to being like that like classic rock kind of vibe. Oh, they and do that every just... single episode. Have but you not noticed that yet? No, but there's like no like I feel like it's not usually that. It is always that abrupt. Oh, okay. <laughs> rewatch, rewatch the first eight episodes. Every do they end? I reckon they end the episode the exact same way every episode. 
I think they do, yeah, but I didn't realize. I've never they noticed They get back the in abrupt. the car. It turns from, like, the ambient sort of, like, background music to, like, some sort of rock or metal cover, and then they drive off into the sunset. There's one that I thought was particularly on the nose. I think it was in Dead in the Water. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. Don't quote me on that. But literally the lyrics to the song were, like, In God We Trust. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was a little on the nose. <laughs> Given what I know of the seasons moving forward. Look, it it wouldn't have been on the nose at the time. But yes, looking back, it's definitely a bit on the nose. Uh, It would have been more on the nose if they did it in later seasons. (laughs) And I've just stopped mentioning the questionable side of the side at this point. Because unless I notice something particularly egregious, I'm like, it's not worth worth it. it. I've already whinged enough about like the sound design. Like it's been bad pretty well every week. Like there hasn't been a week where I haven't really noticed it or I've thought it, oh, that the sound design is really good. Mm. But Holy shit, just, they don't quite match up. Like, they're close enough, but they're not right. It's like when you have something that's, like, not quite lip-synced and it just makes you want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just slightly out. It's slightly not off. out enough for me to be like, oh, they didn't even try. It's like they clearly tried, they just failed. Do you know what was horrible to watch? And not because of, like, poor design or anything, but just because it was horrible to watch. Supernatural. You know what's so sad is I set myself up for that one so perfectly. <laughs> No, not supernatural. The fucking scene with the plumber when he sticks his hand in the... I have a genuine question about this. And I feel like we have a genuine question about America every episode. But this is my genuine question for today. Why do they have those... What Are they called garbage disposals? Yeah. Why do they have them? What are they for? What are you putting in your sink that requires chopping? Like, if it requires chopping, put it in the bin. Don't put it in the water waste. It's not that damn hard. And then you see in her other sink, she's got one of those drain catches that catches chunks of food anyway to put in the bin. So I'm like, well, what is the fucking point? Have one or the other, but you don't need both. And it just seems like a really unnecessary safety hazard. I just, I don't understand them. Like, what are you, what are you putting down? A cucumber? Like, you, I don't know. You're looking at me like I. I, I <laughs> like you should have all yeah. I have never had a garbage disposal. I have never seen a garbage disposal in my life. They use them a few times in the show, and I understand that like they're American like thing. But I've literally never understood them, and I don't know. Maybe someone will be able to enlighten me. But I just I don't understand. See, but the way they shot that entire scene to me was so goddamn weird. Was it? Yeah, it's like the angle, and then you've got the clappy monkey thing, which, by Freaky. the way, I've reached my PSA of the day. Oh, yeah. Never buy the creepy monkey clappy things. I hate they them. They are creepy in every situation. I know. What child even likes them? And also, no child so likes them. loud. They are so creepy. Don't buy them. PSA, they're shit. <laughs> I'm taking a very specific stance today. PSA, they're shit. <laughs> The little monkeys who have the symbols and clap, they are creepy automatically. Dude, don't buy them. They're horrible. You're okay without them. Like, it's you don't need them. You don't need them. No. Don't do it. You're just asking for some weird, creepy horror movie shit to happen. Oh, God. But no, I that scene with the disposal and, like, all the blood coming out, I'm like, how did that man not bleed to death? And then the poor, poor fucking Jenny. She's going to get sued. Oh, Jenny. Yeah, and then she's on the phone with the company, and they're, like, telling her that she's, like, liable or whatever. And I'm like... He stuck his own goddamn hand down there. Uh, yeah, and like everything was turned off. How is she supposed to know? And also, like that woman, I would have had three mental breakdowns by this point, just within the forty minutes of her story that we hear. I w- like, and that's not even full forty minutes. That's probably the first like fifteen. 
I would have lost my mind already. She is so strong in her like like perseverance. I don't know what kind of juice she's putting in that sippy cup, but she and her kids are just like made of stronger stuff. Speaking of her kids and the sippy cup, did you have any particular thoughts about the kid in the fridge? No. No. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I liked it, but I thought it was kind of weird. Here's the thing that I, I find kind of weird about that. Why would the kid climb into the fridge and not just grab? grab? This is the thought I have always had about this episode. I think it's a really strong episode, personally, just all around. Like, Missouri's great. I think the plot's pretty good. Like, you get a lot of information about Sam, Dean, John, and Mary. I think that's fun. But, yeah, that one bit. The only thing I could think, I was literally watching it this morning, and I was thinking to myself, how can I make this make sense? And the only thing that I could think is that the child was, like, in a trance, kind of like in Dead in the Water, when Lucas is, like, being pulled towards the lake for the toy. That is really the only possible thing I could think, because otherwise, yeah, you're right, it makes literally no sense for him to climb into the fridge, when it's very clear he could just reach in and take the cup. Without having to fully climb in, because even if he only had to, like, half climb into yeah, like leg in. Yeah, like, Different story, but like he fully climbs into the fridge. To be fair though, very clever on the part of the poltergeist to lure the kid into the fridge because if you lose your child inside the fridge, not the first place you're going to think to look. And you know, in the episode, obviously, it's not the first place she thinks to look. She only looks because the milk spills. The milk spills. The kid would have died because she also, like, they suffocate. The ghost also re latched the baby lock on the fridge. And the thing is, even if the kid doesn't suffocate, would have. Uh, gotten hypothermia and like such a small kid like you succumb to temperature changes so much quicker than you do when you're an adult very clever on behalf of the poltergeist which makes it scarier actually when the supernatural entity is like clearly capable of advanced planning definitely makes a much bigger threat okay and in today's installment of dean is an idiot at talking to people (laughs) like do they just do this every like for some reason they keep on like between the two brothers Dean's always the one who talks to the people. Yeah. And he always comes off sounding like he's fucking insane. And he gets <laughs> shot down immediately. Like, this is a reoccurring thing that's happened, like, six or, like, four of the eight episodes, probably the f- a good six of them. He has not gotten away and not pulled off whatever cover or ruse he's trying to do with an important figure, normally the victim. Why are they still sending Dean to talk to them? Sam has so much more success. <laughs> Why is Dean still the one they send to go and talk to the like the victims? Of- to the humans. <laughs> to the humans. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot to say on both how Sam and Dean individually are represented in terms of like their talents when it comes to hunting. It tends to sort of be played as like Sam gets portrayed as this like very intellectually based character like very much into like the research and the reading and like he gets like made fun of as being a nerd and a geek and like obviously you know he says he scored a full ride to Stanford in the last episode he mentions that and we know that his LSAT was like 174 which I don't know what that means because I'm not American but I get the impression oh it's out of 180 okay so he's very good then you know like how did you know that (laughs) legally blonde okay Love that. Because um, L Woods got a 179. Oh, L Woods beating Sam Winchester. I love that for her. What? Like it's hard? <laughs> um, so, God, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So they play Sam as this, like, this nerd. And, like, also, like, they talk about him having, like, the perfect puppy dog eyes and, like, you know, that kind of 
innocence, I guess. Whereas Dean gets played as kind of like, or not played rather, but portrayed as this sort of like much more practical. They sort of, do you remember I told you they do this weird thing where they kind of like introduce something, but it's also completely contradicted. Yes, I feel like you have vaguely mentioned that. Yeah, I think, I feel like I brought it up maybe in like the very first episode. And they kind of actually, I I didn't mention when we were recording Bugs, but they kind of did it when like Dean brings up like that he watches Oprah and then it like just completely got skated over. Like, because they've made that canon now, like (laughs) Dean watches Oprah, you know, and they just, they're never going to bring it up again. But they do it in a way with Dean where they kind of imply that he's the stupid one. Like, they imply that he is somehow not as smart as Sam or not as, like, intellectual as Sam. But then they will also bring in elements. There's a quote from, I I think it's actually season 15, where this character, like, looks at him and she kind of reads him and says, you know, you're like a beach read, like, sexy but skimmable. And he's like, a beach read? He's like, lady, I'm Tolstoy. It's it's a really, it's funny because it's kind of like this throwaway kind of interaction, but it actually is an incredibly interesting summary of his character. Like they kind of play him off as this like, almost like bimbo, <laughs> like, you know, He's like the himbo. Yeah. Yeah. But he is not that he's much more complex. And even like Sam in, um, was it the Phantom Traveler? And they go to look at the plane wreckage and Dean has his homemade EMF reader and which makes a return in this episode yeah and like sam um i was so excited to see it i was like yeah and missouri comments on it yeah and and i'm like oh but it's it's homemade yeah and like sam like makes fun of him for it and it's like you know it it belittles his intelligence and it happens a lot Um, okay he may not have like the book knowledge of being able to get into stanford but also like he must have a decent amount of practical knowledge if he was able to rewire a walkie-talkie no a walkman a walkman. Was a walkman yeah he must have some sort of practical knowledge if he's able to rewire a walkman into an emf meter yeah exactly so like it's this weird thing where they like kind of play him off as stupid or not stupid necessarily but like just not as intelligent as sam but then they're all like he's also obviously incredibly capable and i think this is like just one example where like they kind of make it like yeah he keeps kind of fucking up but he's good at what he does like he's been doing this for years without sam which is what gets me like why would they make him so incapable of interviewing witnesses if he's been doing this essentially alone for the last and because okay yes occasionally he'd work with john from what i can tell but like They'd also been mostly separate for the last sort of... Yeah, I think they were most... I think it's actually the opposite. I think they were mostly a duo and then like they would go off and do their separate things. But in saying that, that's just... I don't think they ever actually confirm or deny which one of those but things At the end of the day, he's, he's been hunting with John and then he's been hunting alone. And he's done a bit of both yeah. in the past like six years since Sam retired. But like he didn't always rely on like Sam to do the interviews for him. So it makes no sense to me why they would be continuously portraying him as kind as of bad at the job. Kind of bad at getting any useful information out of witnesses. Yeah. Without Sam there to run interference and to actually get the people to trust them enough to say anything. Yeah, I think honestly what it, like, I know I went on like a long-winded explanation, but I think what it kind of boils down to is they wanted a bronze and they wanted a brains and they gave Sam brains, so they gave Dean brawn. The issue with that though is Jared Padalecki, who plays Sam, is it's also a giant. Like six foot something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, um, they're actually both over six feet. Yeah. Jared Padalecki is just a monster of a human being he's huge 
They are both massive and they are both buff. Like, have you seen Misha in comparison to Jensen and Jared? Not specifically. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen, like, gift sets and shit of them. Because he looks short next to them, but he is also six feet tall. It's it's crazy. Like, he looks short. And it's funny because, like, he often gets, like, made fun. Like, he's, like, the short guy or whatever. But, like, he's just as tall as them. <laughs> he's, like, well, only he's, a little no, shorter. the issue isn't that he's just as tall as them. The issue is he's still tall. He's just not as tall as them. Yeah. So, yeah. by comparison, he looks way shorter than he actually is. Which is so funny. Like, look, here we go. Here's a photo. He looks short. Doesn't also help. In comparison. He has sort of flat hair compared to the other guys who yeah. have their hair, like, really fluffy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Jeans is all pushed back and Sam's is yeah. Sam's hair. It's just, oh, it's very funny. Like, one thing that I will point out, though, like, where Dean has strength and Sam tends to fall into the same pattern, at least in this first season. When Sam gets stressed, literally everything else goes out the window. When they're leaving the uh, Jenny's house or, like, their old house and, like, Sam's kind of had his fears, like, confirmed, basically. He's, like, freaking out. He's like, we've got to get them out. Like, blah, 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 blah. And Dean's like, well, what do you want me to tell them? Like, what are we going to do? Like, and then it continues through the episode where Sam's just like, well, we have to get them out. We have to do this. We have to. And, you know, Dean's like, no, we've got to treat it like a normal case. Like, what would we do next? We have to think about this and be a bit more methodical because if we just go in their guns are blazing, people could get hurt. Yeah, or, like, they're just not going to listen to us and they're just going to stay like they did in the last episode. And people will get hurt. Exactly. So it's interesting because I feel like, especially at the moment, Sam is such a, like, volatile character. Like, he's, he's like, always, like, one piece of information away from just, I don't care about anything. Like, in Wendigo, he was like, well, Dad's not here. Fuck these people, I guess. You know, let them be. It's it's the same here, seven episodes later, where he's like, I don't really care about how we're going to do it. I just want it done. We have to do it immediately. There's no, like, nuance, I guess. I did want to bring up the obvious part where Sam passes the the sibling, like, the younger brother to Jenny's daughter and just says, like, you know, take your brother out of the house, run as fast as you can, like, go now. And it's he completely echoes John almost to the word without even knowing it. Like, he doesn't even, he didn't even know at the start of this episode that Dean was the one who carried him out of the house. You know, he didn't know that. And so I think it's, it's so interesting because I know later in the series, a lot of people, at least in the circles that I've been involved in, talk about how John and Sam are very much heavily like mirrored to each other and Dean and Mary are very much more similar than Dean and John or Sam and Mary. Like they've got bits of each other, but like when they, as they flesh out the characters and stuff, you get a lot more of a sense of, oh, Dean is very much Mary's son and Sam is very much John's. While we're talking about Mary, mm-hmm. I called it. I called it so early. As soon as the psychic was like, there are two, you know, spirits here. Oh, yeah. One's an evil poltergeist. The other one, I don't know what it is. I'm like, it's fucking Mary. And then I was obviously proven right. Mm-hmm. It is Mary. The burning pillar of flames, which can we talk about the special effects for two seconds? Yes. <sighs> Why? <laughs> okay, see, I thought you would have a problem with this, which is why I made sure to remember to mention that this is what you wanted them to do in Wendigo. You wanted them to have a person in a fireproof suit, and you wanted them to be set on fire because it would look better than the CGI that they did. So, wait, are you telling me that one was or the other special effects? I thought it was all CGI. Does it not look like a person in a fire no. suit to you? It literally, it looks like it they looks put someone like in a they... bright green fire suit and then they just got rid of the green, like a green screen. 
to me, it doesn't look like practical effects. It looks like they put a person in a green screen suit, then they put the fire over that in special effects, and then they went along and removed the green. So, no, to me, I don't think it was practical effects. I don't think it was actually on fire. I think that fire was fake. And that wasn't actually the one I had a massive issue with. Oh, okay. I didn't like that. But, like, I was like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. The purification, the special effect after that. Oh, just purified, the white. Just the white. <laughs> what? It's just, I think it's just, like, the whole, like, white light. I think it symbolizes just the purification. Like, it's just, like, I don't know, like, salt, you know, or, like, holy water or, or whatever. It's just, it's supposed to just be pure and simple and, I don't know, godly. Why? It just looks like that. I have a better why question. My why question is, Dean, why did you lick the dirt? making the little pouches and she's like he's like what is this stuff she's like oh this and this and graveyard dirt and like the next scene is him just like licking it <laughs> and again like jensen is hilarious like the face that he makes like it's just it's perfect it's so funny it's somehow adorable on a 26 year old man like it's it's perfect but it's also like why god why <laughs> i also love the infection metaphor um, when they were talking about how when the evil thing came to the house and killed Mary, like, it left basically a, an open wound and how, like, you know, wounds get infected and that's, like, how the poltergeist was drawn in. I thought that was a really nice, I don't know, bit of dialogue. I thought it was really um, interesting as, like, a as an, what's the word, analogy. For me, it was sort of, like, it was a weird thing to throw in there. Like, oh, let's just add, like, another layer and I understand it as a metaphor, but it's also like, what form does the wound take? I don't like, know, how like, bad does something have to be for it to form a wound? An inter- well, I guess that's. But the also, thing. the woman burned alive on the ceiling, so like you'd think that would cauterize the wound. <laughs> I don't think it's that kind of wound, Jamie. I think it's a metaphysical wound. No, I um, I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like, we haven't heard up till now of that even being possible. So the idea that whatever it was that killed Mary was that evil. I guess it kind of sets the tone for like, oh, well, it's more evil than anything we've interacted with thus far, you know? So what? I know the Wendigo could run faster (laughs) than you could see. (laughs) One thing I wanted to touch on was that this is the first time that Sam actually gets to like see her and remember it, you know? Because obviously like he was a tiny baby when she died. So like, obviously, like, Dean sees her and, again, Jensen's acting is fantastic and, you know, he just gets this look on his face that's just like, oh, my God, this is, like, you know, it's my mom. Like, I haven't, like, I my memories of her are so distant now, you know, but this is her. And then Sam, who's, like, and, and I think Jared does a really good job here, too, like, and, like, seeing his mom for the first time, really, because he's seen photos, sure, but... I just thought it was really nice because you got to see the two brothers sort of get to see their mum. And remember, like, the whole reason that they're doing what they're doing is because of her death, essentially, you know. And so for Dean to get to see her as he remembers her before he saw her burning to death on the ceiling. And for Sam to kind of get to see her essentially for the first time as a person and not just a photo or, or a concept or an idea or a story. She mentioned that she's sorry and... That for me is really upsetting because I know what she's talking about. But do you have any ideas? I'm assuming maybe she had something to do with like the fact that she died. And like she, there's something about her or she did something that drew whatever the massive evil thing that left the wound that got infected. 
there's a reason that it was drawn to her, mm. maybe. But I don't. They have. I don't think they've given me enough clues to be able to piece together. No, they definitely haven't. This is kind of like the first clue in this particular instance. But I was just wondering, like, if you had maybe any. I like obviously you've seen stuff on Tumblr and that. Like, I just was wondering no. maybe if you had any thoughts on what she could be alluding to. No, I don't have any head empty. <laughs> I don't empty, have no any thoughts. Head empty, no thoughts. I don't have the brain cell today. So, no, I have no clue what she's referring to in terms of, I'm sorry. But can we talk about how Missouri is like, oh, they cancelled each other out and all I could think of is, like, in math? Yeah. Two negatives <laughs> make a positive? Like, Oh, God, I'm glad we're back on Missouri because I really do love her. Like, And I love that she she gives Dean such a hard time and Sam, like, in the scene where she's like, if you put your foot on my coffee table, I'm going to hit you with a spoon. Sam looks like Christmas has come early. He has the biggest smile on his face. And, like, when the uh, when Jenny gets home and her whole house is trashed, you know, Sam's like, oh, yeah, we'll pay for it. And Dean, like, you see him go, we're going to what now? And then Missouri's like, yeah, and Dean's going to clean it up. Because <laughs> she, like, obviously heard his thought from behind her. And I just... I just love that she gives him such a hard time for things that, like, he didn't even say out loud. One thing that I thought was a really nice touch was at the end of the episode, they actually get to keep the box of photos and stuff that we saw at the very start. Like, she actually gives it to them. So, like, you know, they have those memories back. And, like, obviously it's going to be a lot of stuff that either Dean hasn't seen for, like, a decade and a half and Sam – or actually two decades – um and it's stuff that sam's probably never seen like sam probably doesn't have baby photos obviously john's not recording in his journal the like baby's first steps and stuff like but they've got these photos from before everything went to shit and they can kind of have those regardless of what happened after and i just think it's nice that they get to keep them and they're props that continue to come back as well over the series like it's not like they forget about them and they just never look at them again. You know? I mean, it also just kind of feels like the writers went, wow, is nobody going to traumatise these two grown-ass men? Didn't wait for an answer and then <laughs> did it anyway. I mean, can we fault them? Because arguably that is like 90% of fan fiction. <laughs> Not my fan fiction. <laughs> um, my fan fiction is nothing but fluff. Oh, the coffee shop I, I use. Mine is. My fan fiction is them discussing the trauma that the writers gave them. <laughs> My fanfic is like, okay, what if we traumatize them, but then we sent them to therapy. <laughs> Alrighty, I think that was everything that I kind of wanted to cover. Did you have any last thoughts? No, I had no no last thoughts. I've already established Head empty, no thoughts, yeah. Okay, in that case, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay, cool. So we're, we're redeeming ourselves from yeah. the previous two. Definitely better than Bugs. But I did not enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed Sally Bloody Mary. Okay, that's fair. I definitely, look, I I don't care enough about these characters as it stands. Except Missouri. Except Missouri. Missouri stand, number one. Yeah. You know, you've got Sam coded, Dean coded, Missouri coded. (laughs) But no, so I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as some previous. Some of the previous ones, I think it it did feel kind of like the writers were sort of just trying to come up with like a really convenient way to bring up plot and backstory and stuff about the family and John. And as much as I love Missouri as a character, it just felt very much like they were like, oh, we need now a plot device where we can make the same place haunted by a different ghost. 
so they don't actually catch whatever it was that killed Mary. Mary. But also they are called back to their childhood home and they can move yeah. the plot forward. It just felt kind of like too convenient to me. No, that's I think that's a fair criticism. I think like definitely like watching it back obviously I have like nostalgia and I get to like note more about character development and stuff because I know what happens after. But I will say when I watched it through the first time, I thought that it was an interesting choice to introduce them going back to their childhood home only nine episodes in, you know, um, especially because like even when I, I started live watching in season 10. So by the time I started watching Supernatural, it was well and truly established and, you know, it could have been a bigger review or maybe like, you know, that could have been where they ended up finding John or like, you know, just the fact that it's such a significant moment and that place it so early in the season yeah it kind of feels like they wasted the opportunity to make it even more impactful by maybe putting like they could have had the same plot essentially but just set it in a house that wasn't their own they could have just had sam recognize it like he could have they could have been driving through town and sam recognize a house and be like oh that's from my dream oh my god we have to go in there and speak to them and Dean be like what are you talking about they could have done it that way so I feel like maybe they wasted the not wasted it but maybe they could have used it more effectively if they'd held on to that location for a later day I feel like as an individual episode it's a good episode I just think in terms of like the larger season of that it just feels very convenient as an episode you'll have to get used to that there's a lot of convenience in this universe (laughs) um yeah okay isn't that all later explained though by canon Yes, yes it is. Um, That's not really. So the next episode is titled Asylum. Do you know anything about Asylum? Do you have any thoughts on what it might be about? I'm going to take a stab in the dark (laughs) (laughs) and guess that something weird's going on at a mental asylum. Which, considering that a lot of mental asylums, especially in like, you know, earlier half of the 20th century, you know, 1900 to 1950, 1960. Some dodgy shit was happening at asylums. Yeah. So I feel like maybe it's a ghost problem. Asylums had a lot of people who died while under their care. Yeah, I would use the term care very loosely. (laughs) We use the word care very loosely. But I think because the brothers don't know that John was in town. Yeah. the reveal of John at the end of this episode was for the audience only. Yeah, and I will... This isn't a spoiler, I don't think, so I will say. They actually never know that John was there. Okay. They don't know that. They never find... To my to my memory, they never find out that John was there. And John could have just revealed himself, like... Yeah, he never... Really easily and conveniently. He like, never... Re- like, he never tells them that he was there. To my knowledge, if I'm remembering that incorrectly, I'm sure I will find out in the coming weeks, but... I'm fairly certain that he never tells them. I'm going to assume they're just going to continue trying to find John, but they also don't really have a lot to go on still at this point Mm. because they don't know that John is pretty well fine and just chilling with Missouri. Yeah. Because Missouri is really good at lying to them. (laughs) Straight up. To be fair, though, they do establish that very early on for her character in the way that she blatantly lies to the guy coming out. Yeah. So I don't think they've got really much more to go on with John, so it might just be another sort of Monster of the Week episode. I don't know how much more they're going to do with John, considering this episode was sort of like a backstory-heavy episode. I don't know if they're going to do two in a row that are really trying to move the plot forward. All right, cool. Well, I think that's all for 
this episode. God, we suck at outros. One day we'll figure it out. So if you want to interact with us at all, you can find Jamie on Twitter at DriverPixPod. And you can find me on Tumblr at DriverPixelPodcast. So yeah, if you want to send us a message, send us your thoughts. Tell us if you think our takes are terrible or great. Or if you also want to add on, like... Also, if someone wants to teach me how to use Twitter. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yes. <laughs> I don't <Please>. know. <laughs> if you want to have a Zoom call with Jamie and teach her how, <laughs> how to use Twitter, let us know. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening and... Have a lovely afternoon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's always my awkward bye, every time.